Hello. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? I'm all right. Good. This is this is the earliest possible Thursday you can have in a month. <laughs> yeah, it is. That was. I looked at the calendar like a week ago and went, "Oh, okay, we're doing it on the first. Really? Really? Okay. Um. Oh, Styler, my turn. No, it, uh, yes, it is your turn, but uh, I'm going to take your turn. Okay. Because, uh, because Steve Swenson um, sent me the uh, In Dispute Guide to Self-Publishing um, for me to take a look at personally. And uh, I, so that's kind of unfinished Jeff Seiler business because uh, it's dedicated to Jeff Seiler and... Um, Got the got the sketch in it, and Siler's um, uh, notes. So I always think uh, if I can just see it personally, then uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see more here. Um, I'm not sure that that turned out to be the case. Uh, I did. It is a different experience. I, I have never looked at uh, a ballpoint pen on newsprint, uh, relatively cheap newsprint, um, under the jeweler's loop. And the same with uh, the description I had for the, uh, the, the Alex Raymond Crip uh, Kirby original. There's, there's a whole topography that you just don't realize is there until you're looking at it under, under that level of magnification. Um, anyway, having having examined all of the all of the scans that got relayed to me, uh, and then now, now having looked at the original, uh, I can definitely say, uh, looking at the sketch, yes, it is uh, a Japanese brush pen that I'm using on the fur uh, around Cerebus, and it's a Japanese brush pen that's. Um, just about out of ink, and I'm obviously aware that it's just about out of ink, which was one of the questions that I had. Why would I use Japanese brush pen on, uh, on newsprint? That's going to be an absolute mess on, on the other side of the page. Uh, yes, if it was a fresh pen, then uh, yes, it would be a mess. But because it was running out of ink, that was why I went, uh, okay, I can do the I can do the fur with this. This will this will be pretty cool. Um, inking inking on the face, uh, the details, the, the hatching on Service's ear and uh, on his uh, on his eyebrow and uh, the shading behind his snout. Um, I think it looks like I used an archival pen. But I used a uh, a probably a zero one uh, archival pen that uh, had gone a little mushy, and I would have been aware of that as soon as I started inking the thing. Going, mm, well, you know, I'm at the off white house. I can just you know go upstairs and grab a fistful of zero ones and see if I can't find a fresher one with a finer line. 
But I think my attitude was, well, it's just for Siler. He won't know the difference. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, but I definitely did. This was uh, when I was starting Strange Death of Alex Raymond. So I did the, uh, uh, the uh, Warren-style uh, block lettering on Jeff Seiler's name, and I did use, it looks like, a 005 uh, archival pen on that, so it looks pretty good, and wrote the, on the occasion of coming to Canada to get his stuff back. And this is when it moves over into, uh, into Jeff's world, um, because he, he's, he's written definitely underneath it uh, good stuff, and then um, sort of uh, went over the, the lettering in good stuff to emphasize it and underlined good stuff, but uh, good stuff back. And it took me a while to figure out that he's, he's got an asterisk there, but it, uh, it doesn't have an asterisk at the bottom, but it means uh, he's writing mostly that guy. And that's when he drew his convoluted arrow pointing at Cerebus. Um, what he is saying is that he came to Canada to go to, uh, we will call her G, uh, G's place, because he had um, moved his Cerebi there. And that was one of his top concerns was, I have to go and get my stuff back. And uh, I have to get my good stuff, um, which for him amounted to uh, his cerebi, which probably most of them were autographed by that point, certainly the trade paperbacks uh, from him bringing them to uh, Columbus for space and whatnot. Uh, so mostly that guy, mostly he's going to get his cerebus. Or her, um, hmm, Dude, uh, really nice hair. <laughs> he's, I think he's trying to figure out what he's going to write next and um, uh, just sort of got hypnotized by the, the inking on Service's fur and went like uh, really nice hair. Uh, he's uh, going back up to the top. He's dated it uh, 7-8-9-11. So I did the drawing on July 6, uh, 2011. That was when we were here at the Off White House. And then uh, he was giving me a lift down to Toronto. And uh, he was going on from Toronto to, uh, to G's place. So uh, the 7th, I believe, was Saturday. So I would definitely have been either coming back here or staying at the hotel and observing my Sabbath uh, on the Sunday. I wouldn't have been doing anything besides that. Uh, Jeff, I think, obviously went to G's place, got there sometime on the 7th or early on the 8th, and grabbed, his, grabbed all his stuff. And I have, I, know, I have no idea. I never asked him, and uh, he never told me. Okay, what was the experience like going there and getting your stuff from her, uh, knowing that this was ending as, as badly as it did? The fact that it's uh, 7 hyphen 8 slash 9 11 uh, suggests to me 
that one of the things that he did as soon as he left her place was to go somewhere and start drinking. And that was when it seemed to him like a good idea to start writing in his uh, therapist guide to self-publishing. Probably not while he was drinking, but when he got back to his vehicle, stuffed full of his therapist stuff. Uh, anyway, yeah, really nice hair. J-A-F is Jeff. What was his, what was his middle name again? Alan. Alan? Alan, yeah. Okay, yeah, so it's uh, J-A-F, Jeff Allen Schuyler, in parentheses, and then in present, 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 present. Well, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, but, period, he will die, period, and in parentheses, unloved, unmourned, alone. Which is interesting because that's the reverse of what it is. It's alone, unmourned, and unloved. And um, I thought that was interesting that he got it backwards. Uh, that's when we turn the page and it goes, good thing his creator didn't. And uh, he had trouble uh, spelling creator. Um, I think he got the E and the A in wrong order the first time. And then uh, again, corrected them with the ballpoint pen. Uh, good thing his creator didn't. Uh, <laughs> he should have said didn't yet. I mean, we're all going to die, so uh, it's, uh, and whether I die alone, unmourned, or unloved, um, well, we don't know. It's 2022, but let's, let's see what happens uh, over the remainder of, uh, of my life. And then we got, um, also, it's a good thing that some people who will read this will that's when it gets confusing on oh we'll realize that I thought I had that one. There's one word that I definitely not, even though I have a, a um, pension, a pension for margins. Um, did he just misspell pension? Uh, I've looked at that under the jeweler's loop. I've, I've pulled back the, uh, the facing page as far as I dare and uh, looking at it under good, you know, 400 times magnification, and I'm still not certain uh, what it is that that word is. Uh, for uh, penchant, yeah, penchant, I mean, it's maybe what he was trying to say for margin. Someday when you buy this book, and you will laugh uh, by J-A-S. And that's, uh, that's the end of the dedication. So um, still, still a little bit of a mystery as to, as to why he did this. It looks like a, uh, an alcohol-related uh, related thing. He just well, felt compelled to uh, editorialize on, uh, on his personalized book. So you never so, asked and Jeff never said, but when Jeff was 
getting back from this trip, he was coming back to Manitowoc because that's where he was living. And he and I talked about it, and he did tell me what happened when he got to her place. Oh, okay. So that wasn't pretty. What? As with everything involving her, it just was weird. So he let her know he was coming, like you know that okay, my because he couldn't get into Canada because he had a drunk driving on his record in Canada. You have to be ten years past the incident, and your record has to be clean to get in. Right, like, right. like not not even to, not even to move there, just to visit. If you have a if they run your record and you got a drunk driving, Canada says nope, sorry, we're not letting you in. Is right. the way Jeff made it sound. But then again, he did show up at the border, going, "I'm moving here," and they said, "No, you're not." <laughs> right, right. So he let her know he was coming, and part of the breakup was that she was seeing a she was hanging out with a friend named Wally whose nickname was Cowboy Wally between Jeff and I, because I've read Kyle Baker's The Cowboy Wally Show, and as soon as he said, oh yeah, there's this guy Wally, I'm like, how old is he? Oh, he's older than her, or about her age, so he's in his 50s. I'm like, a 50-year-old man named Wally is Cowboy Wally. <laughs> right, and, okay, and point, point taken. So so she's she was hanging out with Wally, and, you know, because she and Jeff had this long distance relationship where they would call each other and write letters and stuff, and it it sort you know they had like a regular okay it's Saturday night you're one of us is calling the other one. Well, she was missing some of the phone calls because she was hanging out with Wally and Jeff. Reading between the lines was was starting to suspect that she was quote unquote cheating on Jeff with Wally, and I went well you know I mean we don't know. But, you know, you're going to decide whatever you want, Jeff, because in your head you've already, you know, you're mad at her about this. So, of course, she's cheating with Wally. So right. he was he was afraid when he went there that, you know, Wally's going to be there and it's there's going to be a big confrontation or something, you know. And he's by himself in Canada. If anything goes wrong, he's screwed. Right. And so he, he gets to her place and she had me messaged him to say... You know what? You know. Let me know when you're wherever, and so that I know that you're you're almost to the house. And so he did that. Well, that was her cue to get out of, get out of the house. So it was the back door is unlocked. Your stuff's in. I guess the way the house was set up is she had like a storage area, garage under the house. That's where all of Jeff's stuff ended up. And okay. And he, you know, the back door is unlocked, so okay, he can he can just go in and get whatever he needs, and then leave. And there's a connecting door to the rest of the house, and Jeff, you know, and it's one of those. And Jeff tells me this, and I'm going, Jeff, don't tell me you went in your house. Don't tell me you went in your house. Don't tell me you went in your house. Just, just, you got your stuff and you left, right? You didn't do. It. And he's like, No, I went in the house and looked around. And I'm like, Why? What if she was sitting on the couch with a shotgun? And and Jeff, what? You know, stopped, looked at me, and went, "Yeah, yeah, this is one of those conversations, isn't it, man?" I'm like, yeah. When it comes to this woman and going to Canada, you need to, you know, mind your p's and q's. Why would why would you go into the house? And he, well, you know, there there was a one thing that I thought might be in the house that I didn't see, and I'm like, okay, you have your justification for why you walked into the shotgun blast, but it doesn't mean that you weren't thinking about it. And right. he. He got all his stuff packed up, and and you know, was, you know, and it's like, well, okay, I have no business here. The whole point of the trip was to retrieve my things because I am now out of her life, and he left. So I'm assuming he left, 
probably went to a hotel and went to the nearest bar to the hotel and then probably that's when he had the uh, guide to self-publishing and it was, you know, it, it was his poor poor me pity party because, you know, he thought he thought he was going to live with her for the rest of his life. Right. That was, that was I mean, and a, as I've said to him over the years when we talked about it, I'm like, okay, so you got to the border, right? Yeah. And what did you say? I said, I'm moving here. And what they say? They said, no, you're not. And I, and I'm like, okay, what did you do wrong? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, all right, step one, you hadn't even met this woman when you were at the border the first time. Like, right. like, like right. In, in the service readers in crisis story about this, that I was going to draw for Jeff, when I got to this part of the story, it was going to cut to Iguana and Beer explaining, you know, what was the mistake here? Well, you know, what if she had been a serial killer who invites men from around North America to her house in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, she's the Canadian Black Widow. She, she kills and buries them. And, and when, when, she, when she's not teaching public school. Right. And, <laughs> and, and the panel was going to be a Bob and Doug um, as Mounties, and, and the caption was going to be, oh, no. Canadian Black Widow got another one, eh? Oh, jeez, eh? And this, one, this one's a real mess. We'll be cleaning this up for days, eh? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was one of those, I mean, and Jeff went, well, you no, know, she seemed real nice. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure a serial killer that's luring you to her, her kill house is going to be the nicest person in the world, Jeff. And he just kind of looked at me like, you're weird. And I'm thinking, you're the one that showed up at the border with a van full of everything you own and said, I'm moving here, instead of getting to the border, renting a storage unit, emptying the van, going and meeting her, escaping with your life, and going, okay, that was a mistake. Right. Right. And, you know, the whole, the whole issue stems from him, like I, like I said at the time, I'm like, in Hogan's Heroes, they didn't try to escape from the camp on day one. They w we got guys out in trickles over the years. And he went, okay, yeah, you're right. Like, he, he was laughing. He's like, I got to write that down. And so in his script for this story, that pops up because it was something that he, you know, when I said it, he's like, hold on, let me write this down. The penny dropped. The penny dropped. Yes. Very okay, good. that's, is, is, there, is there more? Nope, that's that's the story. Okay, that's, the, I'll tell you, that's a heck of a story. It's, uh, we, we have to, we have to rewrite G completely as, um, a serial killer that uh, teaches public school and uh, at the Lakehead in uh, in Northern Ontario, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we would probably get Bob and Doug McKenzie interested in in being an Alan. In, in in my uh, in my script, I refer to her at at the beginning. It's the, it's the names have been changed to protect the innocent, and so she's referred to as Madam X. And somebody comments going, wasn't that a Captain America villain in the Golden Age? And th the action continues, and then the next time those characters show up, somebody's flipping through the official handbook from Marvel Universe, like, yeah, she was the Red Skull's sister-in-law. But it doesn't say whether she was the Red Skull's brother's wife or the Red Skull's wife's sister. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight now worrying about that. <laughs> okay. All right, moving uh, on. This came in on the first Thursday of August, uh, so it's sat until now. So apologies to Nadab Art. 
who uh, I guess got the question in just a little late last month. Uh, question for Dave, assuming please hold is happening this month and that I make it in time. Well, you didn't, but you made it in time for this month. Uh, hi, Dave. My question is about Archbishop Posey. Did you consciously decide not to include him in the double-page spread in issue 300? And yes, uh, I don't remember consciously deciding that, but I definitely went through um, all 300 issues when I was doing the double-page double page spread and uh, just going character by character. Obviously, I don't have an encyclopedic memory of all of them and each character that I came across going is this a major enough character that they should be in the two-page spread and is there a reason uh, apart from that a contextual reason that they shouldn't be in the two-page spread I ask because you said the reason Rick isn't there is that he's one of the most devout monotheists in the story uh, yes exactly uh, I couldn't help but notice some similarities between the two characters. They were both devout in their respective faiths. Uh, they were both martyred, though maybe they killed Posey for simply stepping out of line. Uh, I'll interrupt at that point and go, well, that's really why they do that. I mean, uh, uh, I think most, I think you'll find that uh, most martyrdoms in, in the history of, uh, of Christian church um, was it was a matter of, of interpretation between um, what the martyr thought was their duty um, to Christ and to God and to Christianity and what the person who uh, who killed them thought and for those people it was always they were simply simply stepping out of line um, your first loyalty is to the Roman Empire, Roman Emperor. Um, your your um, loyalty is to whoever is the uh, local bully boy who uh, who is dominating uh, any Christians at the time. Uh, if you don't understand who your first loyalty is to, then yes, we're we're going to kill you or uh, at least make things very, very unpleasant for you. Uh, and they were both not in the spread in number 300. Put another way, if Cerebus had a thought bubble of Posey with a question mark instead of Rick as he jumped into the light, would he have had a similar reaction to his absence? Uh, and then Nadab adds in parentheses, uh, maybe not since Cerebus might associate Rick with his faith in God, and Posey with his faith in Tarot. And I would uh, refine that even further, uh, that Cerebus really went from uh, his faith in Tarot to uh, faith in God, uh, not at Rick's behest, but because of what uh, Rick was saying uh, about, uh, you know, Tarim is actually God. You're, 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 you're giving him the wrong name. And uh, Cerebus' Tarim, you know, as we uh, 
remember from uh, uh, church and state uh, there's definitely a very northern barbarian uh, take on Tarim, uh far closer to uh, Odin or somebody like that than to God and uh, so there would definitely have been a schism between um, Cerebus, the northern barbarian who believed in the northern barbarian harem and the Cerebus who then came to believe in God and um, Posey who to Cerebus would have been one of those strange people whose first loyalty is to the church, to uh, uh, the Western church um, in, in the case of Posey. Uh, was was Posey the uh, Western Church or the Eastern Church? I know he was sort of assigned to uh, indoctrinate Cerebus into uh, into how you are a good pope, but I can't remember if it, uh, he was sent by the, the Western Church to do that or he was uh, delegated by the Western Church as an Eastern Church member. I want to say Eastern Church, but let me grab the phone book. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll keep talking while you do that. How about that? Okay. Uh, All right. Um, so yeah, the 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 uh, the sort the sort of uh, Odin style uh, Terum monotheism would uh, would have definitely not have had much to do with a uh, uh, somewhat highly placed in the. Western or Eastern Church hierarchy, uh, as as Posey was, um, so um, would he have had a similar reaction to his absence? Um, probably not. Um, similar, similar but different. Definitely not identical. Service's um, reaction to Rick not being there would have been a stronger reaction than uh, uh, to Posey uh, not being there. Uh, there's also the fact that in uh, number 160, Swentius Pose said Posey, quote, died happily and at peace, unquote. Uh, at peace with God, perhaps. And uh, yes, I mean, that's, um, for a monotheist, that's really the... Uh, the only genuine peace is uh, is peace with God, and um, I, I, it seems obvious to me that it's very limited uh, limited creatures with limited perceptions and limited understanding. Um, not everybody who thinks that they're at peace with God is actually uh, at peace with God. Um, and we don't really know what the criteria is or what the criteria are. The criterion is what the criteria are for being uh, at peace with God, um, which sort of leads over in the direction of, uh, of Enoch. Um, Saint Enoch in, uh, in the Christian church and... Um, Enoch, um, one of the 
patriarchs of, uh, of uh, the Jewish religion, of the Hebrew people, uh, dating all the way back to, uh, to uh, Genesis number five. And as the, as the first and possibly the only uh, God, YHWH dichotomist uh, in my faith, uh, I infer from the end of uh, Genesis 4, um, uh, the, last, the last verse, and to Sheth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the YHWH. So uh, Sheth was, uh, was the son that Adam got um, after uh, Cain, Cain murdered Abel. So it, it's significant to me that uh, then began men to call upon uh, the name of the YHWH doesn't occur until that point. And then uh, chapter five uh, begins the, uh, <laughs> the genealogy it usually knocks everybody out of the Torah uh, right away where they go, uh, I just can't read this anymore. Um, the, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God, made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Uh, it, it seems significant to me that uh, if you follow the, the genealogy, it says, uh, you know, and Adam lived 130 years and begat a son, begat in his own likeness after his image and called his name Sheth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Sheth were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. That's the template of, uh, of the genealogy. And uh, when, uh, when you start bringing down the numbers in chapter 5, uh, Adam procreates, uh, creates his um, eldest son, uh, Sheth, uh, at age 130. Uh, Sheth begets Enos uh, at the age of 90. Um, Enos begets Canaan at the age of 70. Uh, Canaan begets Mahalalel at the age of 65. You can see the pattern, it's going down. They're, they're procreating earlier and earlier and earlier until Jared, who doesn't procreate until he's 162. And he procreates Enoch. So you have the Enos, Enoch di dichotomy, So, which is really is significant and you, I, you'll see why I'm tying all of this into what we're talking about, the, uh, the peace with God. Uh, and all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Uh, that's the, the flat inflection of, of that passage 
I think it's a response to the ENOS that uh, was at the point where men became, began to call upon the name of the YHWH. And what it's saying is, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. It's like, this was, uh, uh, my inference is that uh, Enoch was a God, YHWH, dichotomist, and was, like me, the one, uh, someone who said, um, I'll pick God. Like, I've, I'm following the plot so far, and no, if, uh, if I think these are two different beings, and I pick God instead of YHWH. So, um, this, this, uh, Enoch creates, like, this whole, uh, whole industry around this, um, exceptionalism in chapter 5 where he's the only one who's described as walking with God and I don't infer that that means that he and God you know went for walks together it meant that everywhere that Enoch walked he walked with God uh, not with God and the YHWH and not with the, uh, the YHWH I mean, the, uh, the mythologies that have sprung up around Enoch, uh, in the early, uh, this is from the New Bible Dictionary, in the earliest tradition, his scientific wisdom is prominent, acquired on journeys through the heavens with angelic guides, and including astronomical, cosmographical, and meteorological lore, as well as the solar calendar used at Qumran. Um, he was also God's prophet uh, against the fallen angels. Uh, later tradition, second century BC, emphasized his emphasizes his ethical teaching, and especially his apocalyptic revelations of the course of world history down to the last judgment. And that it, that really brings me to what I consider uh, the bottom line on uh, on the question of uh, peace with God. Uh, we don't know what God's criteria are. We can, uh, certainly we have uh, uh, churches that have, have sprung up and flourished and uh, entrenched priesthoods who will tell us, yes, very specifically, know, we know exactly what God wants and we know exactly what God doesn't want. And it's like, well, it, you would have to know where everybody's going after they die. You would have to have sort of like a, uh, a checklist. Um, this person went to a glorious reward, and this person went to the infernal depths, and go, okay, well, we know what this person believed, we know what that person believed, so clearly this person walked with God, and this person over here didn't. And I, I wish that more monotheists would admit that they don't know that. Uh, you, do, you don't know, uh, first of all, where it is that we go when we die. Second of all, uh, what it is that we do when we get there. And third of all, uh, what, the, what the criteria is. I mean, all of the cartoons of, uh, you know, people going up the escalator to eat with St. Peter, it's like that could be a very apt visual metaphor for what we're all going to go through, or it could just be a, uh, 
millennia long misapprehension as uh, as a depiction. It's like you know, it, you come to Judgment Day and God says, "I never said anything about that. I just said like uh, walked with God. If uh, if you had kept your lives clear of debris and uh, you know focused on 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 prayer, um, my assumption." focused on scripture, another assumption of mine, uh, focused on feeding the poor, another assumption of mine, then you would know what walk with God meant. Um, what, you know, walk with God is what the, what the Muslims are doing, but, you know, is, uh, you know, submitting to, uh, um, to God's will, not uh, figuring out God's will or understanding God's will, just going, uh, I'm taking my hands off the steering wheel and I will let God do the do the steering for me. Okay, check in Church and State Volume Two. Service is the Pope of the Eastern Church, and Asturia ascends to the, being the Pontiff of the Western, well, what used to be the Western Church. And as long as service kills her, he'll become the Pope of the United Churches. But because he goes out the window, that's you know that that's where it ends for the rest of the series. So, he was Eastern, and then the other side was the Western. Oh, I knew that. I was just wondering which side Posey was on. I couldn't po remember Posey, if he was... A, Posey is an Eastern. He's Eastern. Okay, that's what it was. He was sort of uh, delegated to the task of... Weishaupt has decided to make this, uh, this little thug the Pope, so uh, go in and do the best you can with... Uh, uh, turning him into the most uh, pope-like thug that uh, that you can come up with. And I know that Posey, at the end of Church and State, Posey disappears. He shows up again in Melmoth where he gets arrested. And then we don't see him again until mothers and daughters during the chess match. And at the at the end of his life, you know, it's uh, he sees service and that's, you know, he, you know, as as Poe says, he died. You know, he died happy and content. And I'm thinking, well, he was whipped to death. I don't think he was that happy, but okay. <laughs> well, that's uh, Poe is also a pagan. I mean, it's one of those uh, for a pagan um, seeing sincere martyrdom. Um, that that would be your reaction. I I I don't know why this guy. Uh, died happily and at peace because I could I certainly couldn't do that you know my whole life revolved around chess um, but um, obviously uh, that's what happened that, that uh, they were they were both observing what happened to uh, to Posey in um, in a spiritual state which meant that they were they were perceiving, you know, much much deeper levels of what was going on than just uh, this is what's going on. They're they're beating this guy to death for uh, for getting out of line. It was uh, for 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 uh, Paul. It was um, this is this is this is what a bishop is. This is a this is this is a really good example of. Um, what a bishop stands for in the larger contextual significance of chess 
um, which is which is inexplicable to non bishops people who are or non hierophants non uh, people for whom uh, a, a way of religious thinking isn't isn't central um, to their existence. And of course, the, the, the really glaring thing for Cerebus was, this is only happening to this guy because of you, because of the choices that you've made. You have to understand that that's, there, there are implications to that. You can't say, uh, well, it was because of, uh, of his own decisions and nothing that Cerebus had anything to do with that this is happening to him. It's like, well, no, by virtue of your existence and your choices and the position that you put yourself into, that led him to this point. Um, it's, it's, uh, your, your, your hands aren't clean in the situation. Um, you could maybe make a persuasive argument that they weren't as dirty as they could have been, uh, but that brings us back to Judgment Day again. Of, uh, what does happen to you um, when when you make the kind of choices that you do and do it without realizing that there are uh, major dire potentially dire implications for other people and as we know now it leads to uh, um, 65 or 70 monthly issues of well you know re read service and hell with a question mark there that's what it gets you <laughs> okay uh where do we go from there we go to uh mike sewell asks question for dave september 2022 hey there manly matt are they actually calling you that now some people i mean i sign everything manly if i if i can remember to do it. Sometimes I would, I'll only put manly. Right. Right. Well, if you do it often enough, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll be, they'll get, let, allow themselves to be battered into submission. Uh, question for Dave. I couldn't help but notice a vast number of comics are printed in Canada. Question. Is Dave Sim the reason so many comics are printed in Canada? Oh, sure. Blame it on me. Um, I think, uh, you would, we, we would have to um, go back and, and research that if, if somebody was interested uh, as to when did DC and Marvel decide to print the ma majority of their titles at, uh, at Quebecor. Uh, I, I, I Cost, cost, the question uh, questions that, that Mike has then uh, cost of kindly labor uh, that would be an interesting question as well I don't know if uh, uh, Quebecor is a uh, organized labor shop or uh, a not organized labor shop Quebec tends to have uh, a lot of both kinds and they both tend to be firmly very firmly entrenched, uh, knowing uh, the, uh, the president, longtime president of Quebecor, who uh, had a, 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 real, a real presence in Canada and a real presence in Quebec, and um, uh, 
respect that it, it was a non-labor shop. Uh, quality of socialist paper, uh, as uh, Eddie Campbell uh, figured out when he was self-publishing, you print where the trees are. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's Canada. That's, uh, that's, that's maybe going the way of all flesh as well because uh, uh, individual communities are going, uh, not in my backyard, um, paper mills uh, pollute rivers to an unconscionable degree in the eyes of environmentalists, but then everything uh, pollutes the environment in the eyes of environmentalists. They're, um, they're really, they're, they're really uh, advocates of, of preventing microaggressions uh, against Mother Nature, which it's very difficult to actually run a civilization uh, by limiting your microaggressions against Mother Nature. I, I think Mother Nature was put here by God for us to make use of, and we can we can dirty up our crib, but uh, it's it's still a pretty high quality crib. That's why God made it that way. Uh, Canadian OCD perstickiness uh, that that figures in. I think one of those um, uh, people who go into the print business. Uh, just about anywhere, but particularly in Canada, definitely bring their uh, their persnickety a game to uh, to printing. But going back to uh, uh, at some point, DC and Marvel decided to uh, to print all of their books at Kevinmore, and I'm sure that was uh, they called it they called it Ronald's. Uh, I think Kevinmore had a uh, a schizophrenic. Uh, we're we're Ronalds to the Americans, and we're Quebecor to uh, 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 to the Canadians and the Quebecois, because we really don't want to hear how uh, how Americans would pronounce Quebecor left to their own devices. It would just be too painful uh, for for the Quebecois. But at my recollection is that DC and Marvel started printing at Quebecor uh, because of the exchange rate. Uh, which hit its optimum at almost 50 cent dollars early in the 2000s. Uh, but they made the decision before that. My, my gut instinct, my, uh, the best of my recollection, uh, DC and Marvel were both still distributing on newsstands and uh, in comic book stores when they started printing at Kevacor which got into, uh, okay, what's, what's our logistics in terms of um, how, how, how we get these books to market? These books, we have to figure out how to get to, uh, you know, Capital City in, uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, these books, we have to get to uh, uh, Baltimore, Maryland. These books, we have to get to uh, Longhorn in, in, in Texas, these books we have to get to Bud Plant, these books, back when there was multiple distributors, and we have to get these to the, uh, the IT distributors who will then sub-distribute to all of the newsstands. That was a um, complicated enough question that I think 
they printed at Quebecor, but then uh, broke down the distribution side of it from there and went, okay, this is this is um, this is where all of the books go to, and then they get broken down into these shipments, and this is the mo- most logical place for all of them to go first, and then from there to all the different points that they had to get to. Uh, then the exclusive wars <laughs> took place where Diamond knocked everybody out of the business, and it's like, okay, we now only have to get these books to Diamond. Um, and by that point, uh, the newsstands, if they were, if they even still existed, were a minor concern. Uh, all of these books are going to uh, to Baltimore, Maryland, or uh, or one of the one of the neighboring places, and uh, possibly to the different diamond warehouses. Time when Diamond had um, a good dozen dozen or so uh, warehouses. The different uh, distributors went out of business. And Diamond took over their um, their their distribution uh, warehouses, uh, leases, and whatnot. Um, by the and then uh, I think there there was there has been a migration. Well, um, I'm not sure uh, if it's thoroughgoing and completely where Laval Fall started taking over a lot of the business um, because they were in Baldor, um, Quebec, which was right across the river from Plattsburgh. And Plattsburgh was uh, where Diamond had their warehouse. So everything could just be trucked across the border to Diamond and dumped there. And then Diamond distributed all the comic books from there. I think, and this is this is where my personal role in the history uh, is non-existent. I think at that point, Quebecor became an unworkable um, monolith to to be dealing with. This was fine when uh, we were having to get all of these books multiple different places. Now that we just have to get them. Uh, across the river from Valdor to uh, to Plattsburgh, I think at that point pretty much everybody uh, started printing at Lebanon. Lebanon couldn't handle the volume of work and got into financial trouble, and then got taken over by Marquis. And Marquis has just been uh, plugged into the whole system uh, from then on. Uh, but again, those those. The, the end game on that, uh, I wasn't in on that. Um, I think about the only, um, is Dave Sim the reason so many comics are printed in Canada? Uh, my role in that would have been, well, okay, uh, Prenny Brent Litho is going out of business and all of the self-publishers print at Prenny Brent Litho. Uh, where's Dave Sim going? Uh, wherever Dave Sim is going, uh, that's where we're going. And Dave Sim ended up going to LeBall Fall because that seemed to be where uh, everybody else was going. Not, I don't think Marvel in DC at the time, but uh, Dark Horse, um, IDW, all of these places were going, okay, they've got a good price for the size of print runs that we're doing. 
some of the print runs, their prices are better than others, but you really can't beat that. Uh, just, you know, truck it across the St. Lawrence, and there it is in New York State, and we're all done. Uh, we can go back across the river and and work on on, uh, on printing next month's book. I, I very much was wrong in my supposition. I was figuring the answer was, well, back in the 20s, all the printing was in Canada because that's where the bootleggers were using. Well, the bootleggers were using printed books to hide the, all the all the liquor, but but I was wrong, completely wrong. Uh, no, there's a, that's probably prehistory that that I don't know anything about. He was he was asking about uh, the reason that so many comics are printed in Canada. Uh, that's probably that's probably the answer to that question from. Uh, I just. I just grabbed a random comic I had from the 80s from Marvel, and it says printed in the United States, and I'm thinking, okay, well, that kind of shoots the Canada theory for bootlegging. I'm sure it's a, it's a factor. Like, the reason there's a lot of print shops in Canada was that they were set up back then. You know, if they're legacy, it's they were set up back then because, A, there's trees, and, B, there's lots of water. You know, there's everything we need to print, you know, to make paper and then print, print and then, you know, it's you know it's 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 one of those. What, why are there so many roads in Detroit? Well, this is where we started making cars. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, the first exactly. the first paved road in North America is from was put in place in Detroit, and, and it starts at the end of the assembly line at Ford and goes from there because Henry Ford didn't want people buying a car from him and then it being bumpy right away. So, like, the first, I think it's five or ten miles of road in America were from the end of the assembly line until you got into Detroit proper, and it was, okay, now you're on your own. <laughs> and hopefully you'll forget where you got this car so you don't bring it back and go, look at my suspension. What the hell happened to my suspension? I've only had this thing for 48 hours. But, but uh, the other reason I think there might be so much printing in Canada is... Partially, it's the the not in my backyard. We don't want a paper mill down in America. You know, the, most of the printing plants down here probably were driven out of business, and it was well, where, where are they still letting us pollute the river? And it's out up north. Yeah, yeah. We'll see, and we'll see how long that's going to go on. It's one of those. Uh, I think the environmentalists are coming to the end of. Uh, um, people actually listening every time that they say that the sky is falling. It's like, uh, we can work on this. I'm sure we can we can figure out a way uh, to make paper that definitely diminishes um, uh, the amount of pollution uh, that's involved. Um, it would be great if uh, Kindle had worked the way they had hoped that it would. You know, the environmentalists are also the Kindle people, but it's uh, no, we're not getting rid of uh, um, paper books anytime soon, or paper magazines, or paper newspapers. I I appreciate your enthusiasm, but you know it's the same as uh, if we had been if we had stayed on track with liquefied natural uh, uh, natural gas um, in Canada and the United States, uh, building pipelines for it. Uh, exporting it, um, Germany, you know, would not be facing 
um, Vladimir Putin deciding how much warmth they get this winter. I mean, if you're, if you're one of those people who prays to God for things, definitely pray to God for a mild winter in, uh, in Germany this year. Well, one of the things that, I mean, the, one of the big environmental things that J. Michael Straczynski figured out in his Rising Stars series was, you know, the superheroes take over the earth, and one of the things they say is the output, the outflow pipe from your factory has to be upstream from your intake, so whatever you're putting in the water, you're sucking back up, because that is your incentive to keep the water as clean as possible. And I'm go, and I read that it, you know, when, when it came out, I read it and went, that's one of them genius ideas that nobody ever thought of until it was too late. Like, if you put the intake downstream from the from the output, you know, yeah, you're not going to be kicking chemicals into the water because any chemicals you kick in, you're going to be sucking up, and if they mess the machines up... Or you'll figure out a way to clean it, uh, at, at, least to a, at least to a livable level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as... as, as uh, Somebody uh, at work constantly says, "Hey, no brains, no headaches." <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, Steve Swenson asks, and hello, Steve, and uh, thank you for uh, for sending me the uh, the self publishing guide. Um, as I said to Steve, I'm not sure if I want you sending this to me if it's uh, potentially stolen property and uh, shipping it across an international border. But it got here okay, and uh, I will be talking to Steve about uh, where it's going to be going from here. Does, does, he, does, does he want it back, and uh, I will, uh, does, does he want me to add to the sketch? Or, uh, uh, but we, we'll get to that. Uh, Dave, Dave, uh, Steve Swenson asks, Dave, what foreign editions of Spawn 10 are already in the archives? Uh, I hope that that South African copy was a new and welcome edition. Uh, yes, it uh, it definitely was. Um, I can't remember the last time that I got a uh, uh, foreign publication uh, with anything uh, Cerebus uh, or Davesim related uh, to add to the um, foreign publication archive. Um, I got I got Rolly to scan that. Did he did he send you the scans of the of the pages? He did, and I, he did, and I already posted them. And when I posted them, I I said, okay, so for all you Spawn Ten completists, just print these out. There's no reason <laughs> to chase them down. It's mostly Gen Thirteen. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. It, there's a preview for Gen 13 in the back of it that goes on for, I think, like six or seven pages. And I'm, I'm just kind of looking at it going, I understand that, you know, the publisher is going, hey, we're going to publish more stuff. But at the same time, it's like, if you're, a, if you're a Spawn 10 completist, you know, I have to have every edition of this book. You're going to spend way too much money on a book that has nothing new under the sun. There's, there's right. like four or five pages total of material that's not in the U.S. edition that you could conceivably say, oh yeah, I need that. Like, there's a previously in Spawn in one, I think it's on the inside front cover, they added a previously in Spawn of what was happening. And it's like, okay, but that doesn't, you know, you don't need that context to read this issue 
realistically. Uh, there's some fan art, and I'm going, okay, I don't think anybody really needs to get the South African fan art. Yo. It's, it's the fan art was from the original, I think, wasn't it? No, no, this is this is specific South... These are South African fans have sent oh, stuff okay. in. Oh, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> the Spawning Grounds letter page is replaced with a South African spawning ground that instead of being like two or three pages like in the original it's only like one page and and it, it, reading it I was kind of like yeah you kind of get a hint that the guy's like oh crap I gotta write a letters page don't I <laughs> yeah it's uh, it comes with the territory but uh, getting back to Steve's question uh, what foreign editions of Spontana are already in the archive uh, that's the only one uh, that I've seen so far um, I sort of, I say that sort of gave Todd the business um, way back when, just because Todd gives everybody else the business, and uh, just just to see what their reaction is. I, he he did that once with me when uh, when I sent him the script for Spawn Ten, and uh, he phoned me and said, uh, uh, "Dave, I, I I got you script in for uh, for Spawn Ten." And uh, I can't use it. Just yank my chain and see uh, see see what I'm gonna do. And I said, "Well, Todd, that's the only script you're getting." <laughs> and he went, uh, "Okay, I'll use it." So it's 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 not like he really leans on it, but he loves to loves to at least at that time. This is 30 years ago. He just loved to find out where somebody's hot button was and and see if he could make him go ballistic. So. I relayed a message to Todd um, through uh, through Larry Barter at um, the um, Chicago Chicago Spirits stop. I think no Chicago um, '92 tour. I think, and uh, I said, "You tell Todd he better not re- reprint Spawn Ten anywhere without talking to me." <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> And Larry Martyr goes, uh, okay, I'll make sure that he hears that. Like, good. And it's like, I'm going, anybody that's followed Dave Sim knows I wouldn't do that. It's like, it's, it's your character. I just did an issue with, with Cerebus. And it's like, uh, you know, you just tell Todd, you better not reprint Spawn 10 without, without asking my permission. And it worked. Um, he, he didn't license Spawn 10 anywhere for, uh, for years and years and years. And it's like, okay, I didn't, I didn't mean for it to be that long a joke, but eh, there you go. So I, I, I think you might find that, uh, the, uh, Spawn 10 foreign editions are, uh, few and far between on the ground just because of Dave Sims' uh, weird sense of humor. Well, and uh, that's, I'm fairly certain that it's been reprinted a handful of times, but it was, you know, one of those, like, I think Todd did a uh, complete collection of the first, like, 25 issues, and there's a version that doesn't have 9 and 10, and there's a version that does have 10, but I don't think it has 9, and then I think there's one version that, during the lawsuit, where 9 and 10 are both in there, and it, it it's one of those... Like, I have Spawn 1 and 2 in Turkish that a friend got me, and I kind of right. wonder if they did 10 or if they just skipped it. Right, right. 
and it's like in the case of of, uh, of nine, which is you know Neil Gaiman, that was uh, like genuine hostility. I could I I don't picture that Neil would have sued Todd for reprinting Spawn Nine. But what do I know? It's uh, it, it seemed a very 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 strange thing to do. But there was uh, certainly certainly no intention on my part to uh, use up scarce resources suing Todd McFarlane for, uh, for reprinting Spawn 10 anywhere without without asking my permission. All, all of my, my deal with, with Todd and my deal with, uh, uh, with Pete Laird after he bought the Turtles and with Viacom after they bought the Turtles from Peter is uh, it's reciprocal ownership. You do whatever you want with it and you don't have to send me a check and I'll do whatever I want with it and I won't send you a check. So, speaking of Spawn 10... Yes? From the department of, Matt, you're way too lazy. Come on, you, 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 we know you don't get paid, but you gotta at least put pretend to put an effort. Uh, Kevin Harrison, who's, who's our man in Texas doing the scanning at Heritage, knows the guy who bought the original script to Spawn 10 at the show where you guys auctioned it off all those years ago. No way! It's sitting on a shelf and he doesn't really know what to do with it and I gotta get a hold of the guy to be like, well, if you really want to get rid of it, I know a bunch of people who'd be willing to throw money at you. Right. And at the very least, can I get scans of it to send up back to Dave so he's got a copy of the original script for the files? And how, how far along are we on now? Uh, I got to email him initially to say, "Hey, I, I run the blog. We're interested. You know, Kevin mentioned this. I'm interested in it. You know, how much do you want? Because he, he also, Kevin said that the guy's got a story about how he got the script, and I'm like, well, I know. Part of the story is Dave and Todd auctioned it off at a comic convention at one point for for the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund." Like, like I know part of the story automatically because that's what happened. But now it's okay. Well, you know, did anything happen afterward? And if so, just how weird is this story going to get? Because it does involve Service and Dave Sim, and there's a chance that it gets really weird. Yeah. But, yeah, that's uh, it's not a guarantee, but uh, but it's a possibility. If you're looking for a weird story, um, always. Always go and look for a Dave Sims service connection. So I'm gonna this weekend. I swear, hand hand to God, I will send the guy a, an email or a Facebook message, and I will start the process of okay, what do we got to do to get copies of it, and, and how much do you want for to, if you're gonna sell it, and what's the story, and I will let you know what I find out as I find out. Okay, that's cool. I will. I will. Uh, I would definitely be happy to. Uh, uh, send him an autographed uh, um, Spawn 10 with a Sarah Spawn head sketch on it and maybe you know a couple of the rare um, Sarah Spawn editions that, uh, that Waverly Press did if, uh, if, we, if we can sweeten up the deal without uh, fattening up the, the dollars and cents price. Well, when I got the message from Kevin, I'm like, you know, if we can get a copy of it, then, because back when the Waverly Press was starting to put together all the Spawn 10 stuff, 
somebody up in Canada sent f file folders through the computer of various things that were related to Spawn 10, including the script to Spawn 9 and Neil Gaiman's hand-drawn layouts for Spawn 9, and some blog editor may or may not have stolen them when he saw them going, oh, I want those. <laughs> and and I was thinking that this guy may have, since he's got access to the 9 script, if we can get access to the 10 script, we could talk to Todd about, hey, how about we do a printing of, these are the scripts, no, you know, no original art uh, from Todd, just these are the scripts to these two controversial Spawn issues, call it Spawn Bad Blood, and sell it as a giveaway to the Hero Initiative. Sure. I know, one, I know one guy will say yes, and I'm pretty sure the other two guys are not going to return my emails. <laughs> and I'm the controversial one. <laughs> I'm the guy that goes, yeah, what the heck, let's go, let's go for it. And everybody else says, I have to talk to all my lawyers first. Well, I, I, I sort of have a relationship with Jim McLaughlin, who last I checked was the president of the Hero Initiative. Like, back right. when I worked at Wizard and he would go to Wizards Comic Convention in Chicago, I'd go down and, like, he remembered me because the first year uh, they had the Wizard Wheel of Doom, and it was, a, it was a stupid wheel. You spun it, and you won a prize. But but to spin the wheel, you had to, you had to trump them on a, uh, on a trivia question. And, you know, it, the intent was it's a comic book trivia question. But, of course... My friends and I all realized if you ask them a topic that they couldn't possibly know the answer to, you're guaranteed to win. So I asked about rock, paper, scissors, and Jim and I played rock, paper, scissors, because his, his, the question was, what's the most, uh, or I think it wasn't, you didn't ask them a trivia question, you gave them a topic and they asked you a trivia question. So I said rock, okay. paper, scissors, and the question is, what shape of the three comes up most often when you play? And I went. The, it, it's 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 an even split. It's all you know. It's it's random. And 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 Jim swore, no, no, no. There's one that comes up more. And I'm like, okay, I give up. What is it? And he goes, scissors. And I'm like, bull crap. And we played rock paper scissors. And I threw scissors. And he's like, see? And I went, you tricked me. So then I went back later in the convention and said, okay, five bucks says that I can beat your rock paper scissors. And we played. And I got a picture of him holding my money, and he gave it back, you know, but I got a picture of it just because I was going to send it into to Wizards so they could run it. And then a year later, we went back, and I, and, you know, okay, give me a topic, and I went rock, paper, scissors, and he went, oh, yeah, that's right, it's you. <laughs> and so, like, the six or seven years that I went every year to this convention, and I would run into him, you know, it was, he knew me from the con, and when he took over as the head of actor, because that's how old Matt is, I remember when it was a commitment to our roots before they turned it into the Hero Initiative, and uh, the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man number one hundred and or one hundred project, where they got all the guys to do blank sketch covers, and you did the awesome Spider-Ham uh, parody of whatever issue it was. I want to say like thirty-three, twenty-four, twenty-four. You lost the Samsonite luggage. <laughs> well, they had it at this convention just to show off because they were going to start auctioning them off. So I got a picture of me with Jim holding this cover. 
and and I'm and everybody that I was with at the time was like, so what's so important? I'm like, and I started explaining it, and like I think it was with Paula at the time, and her eyes started glazing. I'm like, this is one of those stories that Margaret Liss and like three other people are going to care about. Everybody else is be like, you, yeah, great, it, it's whatever. Right. But but because right. so, I kind of know Jim, I think if I were to contact him, going, hey, I have access to this script, I have access to this script. What do you think about trying to get the other two guys to sign off on doing a, a printing of it for the Hero Initiative? And he might actually have enough pull with Todd to get Todd to say, okay, yeah. And then at that point, it's just, you know, hey, Mr. Sandman, you know, let us print a comic. Right. And, and I think, you could just say to Jim on the phone, it's me, the paper rock scissors guy. Well, I'll say it in an email, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, you'll you'll know exactly who it is. Okay, well, uh, all of these all of these cliffhangers, uh, <laughs> cur- cur- courtesy of Manly Matt Dow, and we're all on the uh, on the edge of our seats. But uh, hopefully, we're le- leaning back, so so we don't get a stiff back in the meantime. Right. Uh, Michael R. of Easton, Pennsylvania asks. Hi, Matt. Hope you're enjoying your Labor Day weekend. Uh, well, not yet. That's next weekend, isn't it? No, it's this weekend. It's Monday. No way. Yeah. Everybody's it's... going back to school on uh, on the 7th up here. Uh, well, my kids go back next week, Tuesday, but the neighboring town went back this Monday. Okay. Well, you parent people have gotten really weird since COVID-19, so uh, just uh, leave, uh, leave me a phone message or send me a fax telling me when Labor Day is, um, as far as all the parents are concerned, because they're the ones who are going to decide, as far as far as I know. <laughs> it's... Okay. Uh, so, sorry to interrupt there on the Labor Day weekend. Michael R. of Easton, Pennsylvania asks, and I'm going to interrupt myself to say, uh, I'm getting ready to start uh, Spore That Bark tomorrow. And thank you for the suggestion, Manly Matt, because uh, I was just coming to the point of going, okay, time to hit the slush pile and figure out which which one of these uh, Cerebus and Hell with a question mark I want to do. And Spore That Bark was, uh, was perfect. Um, I, I, I don't know if you've let everybody in on on where we're going with it, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to working on it. And the reason I'm mentioning it now is because Michael R. of Easton, Pennsylvania will be a character in, uh, in Spore versus Backpark. And now he wants 10 copies signed with hen sketches, please. Now you know why I did that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this, is, this is why we're also talking about making, making Margaret List a character in Spore Batfar. Uh, if there's no other way for us to, 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 to build circulation on Cerebus and Hell with a question mark, we're not above exploiting and leveraging uh, comics collector completist addiction, particularly the people who, as you say, will buy multiple copies for friends and family who will go, why would I want this? Uh, in your facts to Matt on uh, 24 August 22 you wrote uh, do I have to change change? what do I have to change to take the risk stress down to zero 
and get everyone the same level of sketch. By the time I hit number 26, Michael R. of Easton, Pennsylvania is always number 26. I pretty much had it figured out. My question is, now that you, quote, pretty much figured it out, unquote, does this mean you found that sweet spot in your penciling and inking where you are feeling more comfortable to increase your artistic workload? Uh, well, you're, you're kind of talking about um, two different things here. Oh, and he's got a PS. Uh, the head sketches look awesome. So happy I switched some stuff around in the Seraphis number four. Uh, six, uh, six hyphen seven slash seven eight and POT 8.2 Kickstarter and got one. And we got photos incoming of, of me holding up uh, proof copies that we're finally at the proof copy stage of those. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm glad uh, uh, that you think that they look awesome. Uh, it was, it was, those aren't really drawings. Um, I've tried to explain this before, and I, I, it's, there's no real easy way to explain it, but uh, it's, it's just a designed, um, again, I, as soon as I say drawing, then it's like, oh, okay, so you're doing drawing. It's like, well, no, it's a design for a drawing. I figured out here's uh, the most, uh, picture for a buck that that people will be able to get if I figure out a way to just uh, pencil the same thing over and over again if, uh, you know, it's a variation just because of the human element, but uh, I know exactly what I need to do with this um, with the uh, uh, the inked heads on um, uh, the, indivi the individual issues um, that was a matter of uh, okay almost half of the head or a quarter of the head or a third of the head is going to be solid black so consequently I can do all of that with the Japanese brush pen and if I if I move the cover around while I'm doing the solid black so that the wrist is fully extended uh, on that side, um, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can do the Wally Wood trick. The, uh, I like to fill in my solid blacks and then see how much drawing I have left to do. And by the time you've got uh, a quarter or a third of, uh, of the picture uh, blacked in, then it's a matter of just taking the Hunt 102 and doing very, very limited finished inking on, uh, on the lid side, the, uh, the right side of the face. Uh, what you'll be seeing um, over the next couple of days, or possibly even while I'm talking about this, uh, I decided to try to do actual drawings on, uh, on the uncut covers, um, partly so that Alfonso is still getting paid for the uh, uncut uh, pieces of Turtles 8.2 covers, 
so that we're not just wasting paper um, for the sake of, um, you know, the, the, this has gold glitches on it. So uh, Alfonso saw that right away when they came off the press. Uh, don't want to uh, um, staple the guts to one of these and then trim it because we can already see that it's got it's got a flaw in it. But no point in throwing it out. Send it over to Dave and see if there's something that uh, that he wants to do with it. What I decided to do with it was um, to put in Matisse the unknown turtle drawings uh, in and around the. Um, the two turtle figures in gold and ink those and then um, uh, send those to the uh, Dagan at, uh, at Waverly and that's going to be our we're trying not to have a lull in the middle of the January Turtles 8 Kickstarter and this is one of the things we're going to be doing is uh, Dagan will be uh, deciding what these are going to go for and then offering deep discounts on some of them. But wait, there's more. Um, this is this is what this one would ordinarily go for, but uh, to, to keep all of these eyeballs on, uh, on our Kickstarter site uh, for the entire month of January, uh, you want to be watching constantly, especially you, Michael R., who I know is already watching constantly. And uh, you never know that one of these that would otherwise go for, let's say, 200 might go for, mm, I won't even say. Because like I say, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be up to Dagan so that uh, I, don't, I don't have to anguish about it. Going, you sold it for how much? It's, uh, no, no, the, the idea isn't to... Uh, make these a major profit center. It's to make these uh, a major draw for eyeballs in the middle of the Kickstarter, where it would ordinarily uh, start to say. So, getting to the risk stress down to zero, that was. I, I've I, I've tried to, I've tried figuring out what this is that's in my risk. I mean, uh, anytime. Uh, on the, the rare occasions that I talk to my medical professionals, I'm going, uh, no, that's, that's interesting what you're talking about, but uh, I can see that what you're talking about is going to surgery because that's what you get, get paid to do in surgery. And uh, it, surgery you can't undo. So that, that would be very low on my list of priorities. And the more that we talk about the risk, the more I realize it doesn't matter what I say to you, you've already decided uh, what this is and what it's going to be. It was just when I was doing these pictures, which is, is very different from designing a picture and then just repeating that uh, eight or ten times uh, with the minimal stress, this is now all the cornering and um, shifting and uh, shifting gears and moving the wrist around that I've been uh, avoiding for the most part and just while I was doing it that was the first time that I thought maybe this is like COVID-19 where you know not only 
did they somehow change um, a head cold into the flu somewhere in the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, now they're turning the flu into the Black Plague, um, which isn't a flu in the first place, it's just a head cold. Different people have very different opinions on that. That's, that's my opinion and it hasn't, hasn't changed from, uh, from the beginning of COVID-19. This was the first time that I thought, maybe this is a, a wider ranging thing where uh, there's obviously a huge industry that has built up around uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. And th- uh, this was the first time in the last couple of days that I went, maybe this is the same kind of thing in the same sense that um, they're giving uh, a head cold the fancy name of COVID-19, um, this is just uh, writer's cramp. But you can't make money off of writer's cramp because writer's cramp is just, well, you've been using uh, your, your, your wrist and, and or your fingers or whatever it is that's hurting too much. And uh, just don't do that for a little while and then, uh, and then try it again. Because it's just, uh, it's just writer's cramp. It's like, uh, no, I, I, uh, I, I don't really want to have a medical consultation with you. You have writer's cramp. Uh, unless, of course, you're somebody who charges thousands and thousands of dollars to operate on people's wrists, uh, in which case you're part of the carpal tunnel syndrome industry. And it's like absolutely nothing to those people is just writer's cramp. Everything is uh, carpal tunnel syndrome and leads to surgery or leads to uh, very expensive uh, therapy sessions uh, on and on and on and on that are supposed to, uh, you know, bring the, bring the wrist back into shape and never really do. I've, I've never really heard a success story on, uh, uh, on physical therapy uh, for wrists, although, again, there's a, a giant industry that's sprung up around it. So. So far, uh, you'll you'll see these. Uh, you're probably, you might even be looking at them now. Well, while, while I'm talking to you, if, uh, if that gets uh, gets the scans and gets them up in time for for please hold. So these are okay. Um, stick with the dead hand concept, but um, just treat it as um, uh, writer's cramp and do what you would do with, uh, with writer's cramp. Wow, I've, I've been doing too much drawing today, so I've got, I've got writer's cramp, so uh, I'm gonna stop drawing today. So uh, the first day I got three of them done, second day I only got one of them done, and went, uh, no, that'll, that'll do it for me today. I hope this doesn't mean that I've got uh, permanent writer's cramp, which is what this always led into was uh, anytime I was getting any kind of pain or resistance or um, discomfort right in the joint, uh, then it was like, okay, what if this becomes permanent? And it's like, well, you, you've been doing that for, for years now. Let's, let's go, well, let's assume that this isn't permanent. It's just uh, uh, any, any given day, and I've got uh, 30 of these uncut covers to work on, 
and I've done, I think, seven or eight so far. So it's like, well, okay, how long does it take to do um, 30 of them? Since I've got seven or eight done already, and the wrist is still, well, you know, the hand hasn't fallen off, the wrist is still there, so so far so good. And uh, we, will, we will see what, what happens with that uh, as well on uh, on that basis that uh, I became a uh, a sucker for the uh, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome industry instead of going well you don't really believe in that kind of stuff anyway so let's try this is just writer's cramp and uh, just work until uh, until it starts cramping and just assume that that, uh, that none of this is permanent. So uh, over the over the next uh, however long it takes me to do the thirty covers, uh, Roly will be scanning them when he comes in on Thursday, and then packaging them up and uh, and sending them to Dagan and emailing them to Matt. And uh, you can watch the the progress or or lack of sync. So I assume you don't use the wrist brace when you're trying to do any art, correct? Oh, no, no, I always have it on. Okay. It's, uh, that's one of the things is that I need the, uh, the solidity, um, which that's, that's one of the things that, that went away was uh, it really feels like, uh, like my hand is sort of uh, detached from my wrist. And uh, the wrist brace um, takes care of that. I did, uh, I forget how long ago that was, just a few weeks ago, tried one without the wrist brace on. And it's like, mm, no, really, really not working. That whole uh, placement problem where uh, the line's not going where I'm putting it. It's not going too far away from where I'm putting it, but um, it's definitely not going where I'm putting it. Uh, without the wrist brace, it's like, oh, it's definitely not going where I'm putting it now. Well, and then the next question is, when it starts to cramp up, do you ice it or put heat on it or anything like that, or do you just leave it alone? I just leave it alone because, again, that seems to me like, part of the uh, carpal tunnel syndrome industry, where uh, uh, if, if you do this, it, it will work. And it becomes like the uh, uh, global cooling versus global warming thing. It's like uh, the planet is warming uh, way, way too fast. No, 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 it's cooling way too, too fast. No, 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 it's warming. And it's like, uh, try icing the wrist. No, don't try icing the wrist, try keeping it warm. Well, I just, I, Paula had carpal tunnel surgery because she had bad carpal tunnel, like her fingers would go numb. And one of the things was at one point was you got to ice it for 20 minutes and then take the ice off and then, you know, heat it for a little bit. And it, it kind of worked. I mean, the, the, the science of it makes sense to me of, okay, you have inflammation and it's ice to uh, dull the pain heat to soothe it away so I just was asking I mean it's right. your, it's your wrist I don't control it I just I mean that's just something I thought of because uh, 
Paula's work gave her this heating pad, but instead of being like a regular, you know, what, one foot by two foot heating pad, or you know, it's it's a strip with Velcro on it that you wrap around whatever hurts and then plug it in. Okay. So it'd be perfect. It would be. It'd be, it'd be perfect for like a wrist or an ankle or a knee or anything, you know. And it's one of those I'm like, well, you know, if, if you if you are heating it, we could get you one of these heating pads. And you could try it and be like, hey, that feels a little bit better. Or, you know, the next day, you know, the wrist doesn't hurt when you wake up. Right. I mean, that's one of the things that's, that's not really consistent either because it's, uh, you know, I'm also going back and forth between drawing and typing where, um, you know, the, uh, it's definitely a lot easier typing the cubic font than it is hand lettering stuff but at the same time there's a lot of, uh, of uh, cubic font in Strange Death of Alex Raymond depending on what I'm talking about in a given section it's like mm, I can leave this out but it really is kind of interesting so I, I want to include it but that means instead of uh, uh, Typing, typing a section of, uh, of Qbert lettering that's, uh, that's three inches long, it's gonna be uh, five inches long. And then uh, I'm definitely one of those guys who has to type it wrong first, write it wrong first, and then correct it from there, going, this is, this is roughly what it is that I'm trying to say, but um, I, I can't really picture how it is that I want to say it. And that process can take anywhere from 20 minutes to three hours of, until I, until I get it, until I get the text saying exactly what I wanted to say, uh, I'm not going to get to the, uh, the therapeutic part of my working day, which is the, uh, um, the, the cutting stuff out and uh, pasting up panels and, and pictures and images to, uh, to go with the text. And it's like, well, okay, um, it's, there, there, there's nothing that says that that isn't um, writer's cramp as well. Just, uh, I know when that happens, uh, if I'm really trying to go pedal to the metal, I'll type with both hands if, uh, if I'm going okay, the wrist has pretty much had, had enough today, then I just uh, type with the left hand, which, uh, which slows me down, but sometimes that actually helps the, helps the writing. It's like, no, you have to, uh, that's pretty good. You can, you can slow down uh, the pace of your writing and um, you, don't, you don't have to fix as much because your, your, your thinking while you're typing just with your left hand and you're coming up with um, uh, better phrasing. Uh, where where the subordinate clause goes, it's, uh, well, okay, I've tried it at the end of the sentence and it makes it sound like I'm saying this, and I've tried it at the beginning of the sentence and I can live with it at the beginning of the sentence, and I put it in the middle of the sentence and I can live with it in the middle of the sentence. So it's probably one of those two, but I don't know which one it is. 
and then I have to keep going back uh, over all of the text for the page that I'm working on and just bringing fresh eyes to it each time. And sometimes I go, okay, uh, I thought the problem was the subordinate clause, but the problem isn't the subordinate clause. The problem is um, the wrong noun and the wrong verb. And I don't know what the right noun and the right verb are. Uh, so now the, uh, the laptops, the thesaurus, and dictionary are going to get a bit of a workout. It's like I'm, uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to write for an extra hour um, in order to say, uh, and I never use a thesaurus. <laughs> it's like uh, Grandpa's wrist only has uh, only has so much uh, uh, time on the meter, and uh, if it's if it's a word that I'm looking for, it's probably going to be in the thesaurus. Um, someplace, uh, which isn't true all of the time. You know, um, I use it the way that you're supposed to use it. Here's the word that I, uh, it's like what I'm looking for. Here's the most dominant uh, or most predominant word that links to it. Let's try that one. And is there a noun in this whole list that looks like what I'm looking for? And it's like, uh, that that's got a, a fail record that's at least as long as its success record. Where it's like, well, okay, maybe the problem isn't finding the right now. Maybe it's it is the subordinate cause problem. And some of some of them can take a while to uh, to really to really untangle and go. This is what I was trying to say. The uh, the part of me that wishes that I. I was really living uh, backward and forward in time so that I could go, can you just show me what this page looks like when it's done? <laughs> it's like, I've, I've worked on this caption for, for the last hour and a half, and it's like, uh, I, I never remember um, or recognize one that I worked on for an hour, and an, or an hour and a half because as soon as I find what the problem is and then fix it, then it's, it's on to the next problem. It's the same reason, uh, why is it always in the last place that you look? Because when you find it, you stop looking. Yeah, that's my dad's favorite phrase. <laughs> okay, so there, uh, that's the best I can do on, on that one, Michael R. And uh, let's see, oh, then we move on to finally Colin Upton says, uh, sorry I didn't get back to you earlier. I might have to change the copy on the Poison Elves panel. I forgot he, and he's referring to Drew Hayes, was picked up by Sirius, uh, so wasn't self-publishing at his death. I am thinking of adding some copy about online, online crowdfunding is making self-publishing a viable option. And that significantly adds for some. And I think that's true as well. There are people for whom crowdfunding is going to work, and there are people for whom it isn't going to work. Um, but I, I do think that it would make a, a, a nice addition to, uh, to the comic. Uh, Drew Hayes was such a tragic figure. I remember meeting him in Seattle. It may have been spirits and how enthused he was over his goal of producing a page a day and more. 
the next time I saw him, months later, he was a broken man, uh, very sad. Um, I definitely, I definitely had that impression uh, about Drew Hayes. Uh, the uh, uh, the Seattle uh, stop, whether that was uh, Spirits or the '92 tour, I think that was the last time that I saw him. My impression was that. Uh, uh, his marriage broke up, and he had, I think, a daughter, and um, he was the um, um, the caregiver for his daughter, and trying to do that and be a productive um, comic book artist and writer uh, definitely got to be a lot more than uh, than anybody could handle. I got, I, I dug out my. Uh, First uh, seven issues of uh, of Poison Elves when it was called uh, I Lucifer, and uh, got Rolly to take a picture of me with them today. So that will be coming your way, uh, Matt. One of the interesting things about uh, uh, Drew Hayes was um, he uh, uh, he was born the day of the moon landing, the actual day, J- uh, July twentieth. 1969, and uh, I didn't know anybody uh, anybody else who was who was in that category. In retrospect, um, trying not to offend Wendy Peeney by uh, by doing a uh, Poison Elves um, preview, I probably shouldn't have done that because Drew definitely. His, his, his self-publishing company name, Mule Eye Graphics, was definitely Drew. It's like he was he was going to do this, and he was going to do uh, what I talked about, doing a page a day, uh, keep your book on schedule, and uh, he definitely had much more of an uphill struggle than I did uh, in doing that, and I probably should have done the preview um, of Poison Elves, if not uh, I Lucifer, um, back in back in 1991 when uh, when he started it. So uh, I, I would be interested in um, when it when it was that that you saw him and uh, what uh, what made you say that he was. Uh, he was a broken man because uh, uh, he he may have been broken, but uh, he was uh, he was definitely dead man walking because you know how many people actually get 80 issues of a title done and then another 38 issues of uh, of a, a number of Poison Elves miniseries. Um, so um, I. I'd be interested in hearing more, Colin, and we can just communicate through uh, uh, through a moment of service since uh, since we're working on the story anyway. This this was his uh, uh, post postscript. I looked at faxing through my computer, but I couldn't figure it out. Uh, besides being old, I have learning disabilities. Uh, if you want to give it another try, try fax zero. Um, it's evidently pretty user-friendly for people who just want to figure out how to send this um, Word document as a fax uh, 
to this phone number and uh, I don't know if it's as easy as it used to be but it used to be pretty 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 darn easy I think fax zero uh-huh. limits you to three pages now uh-huh or or if you pay more you can get more I, I use my fax only because my fax I can send and receive and in this job receiving faxes is kind of a deal right right yeah, it uh, it sort of comes with the territory. Um, okay, and then and then you had a last minute question from Brian West. Hello, Brian West, our uh, our Cerebus Twitter volunteer. You want to talk about your uh, Sisyphean task, uh, rolling that 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 stone permanently uphill, uh, being the guy who does Cerebus on Twitter. Uh, that's got to be a living definition of it. Uh, has anyone ever asked you to sign an autograph onto their body so that they could create a tattoo from it later? <laughs> it's like, uh, no. Uh, uh, you have to remember that I did, uh, I did the last signing uh, 2010, and I had only done a handful of comic book conventions uh, between, you know, around the time that Cerebus came to an end and, um, you know, however many years before Cerebus came to an end. And um, tattoos are a uh, far more recent thing than uh, most of the people who are, who are your, or your age or younger, Brian, than... Uh, that, that they understand. It's like I'm I'm old enough that I remember when tattoos were just um, on sailors. I mean, even even army and air force guys didn't have tattoos, and the only reason that um, sailors had tattoos was because they came into uh, port cities. And the dockside area of a port city was the absolute scuzziest part of the city. So that was the perfect place for somebody to have a tattoo parlor. There's, um, it is definitely its own thing, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember when the Rolling Stones album Tattoo You was. I think it was 1981, 1982. And this was, uh, you know, could you just imagine uh, Mick Jagger with a tattoo that went all the way onto his face? And it's like a tattoo all the way onto your face is virtually nothing now. I mean, uh, tattoos are everywhere and on everybody. But, um, you know, for me, that's just a... uh, The, the, the entire civilization, the, the civilization formerly known as Christendom, has now turned into um, a, a universal, scuzzy, dockside environment where all of these things are like, oh, cool, uh, instead of, that's that's sincerely creepy. So, uh, no, I had, uh, I had a neighbor, um, Scott Nash, uh, 
who owned uh, the place next to uh, uh, the Off White House, and uh, <laughs> noting the comic art metaphysics of the last name Nash, and uh, he was um, gung ho on he was going to get me to design a tattoo for him that uh, he would then get put on his entire chest or something. It's like, uh, no, I, I can't do that. It's, it's just, uh, you know, uh, if, if that's something that you really like, well, that's something that you really like. But take my word for it, uh, 20 years from now, 25 years from now, you're going to go, what the hell was I thinking of? And how could I possibly get this off of me? And then find out what uh, laser removal costs and go, well, I'm stuck with this for the rest of my life. This is, this is really, really dumb. Um, nothing, nothing against Margaret Liss. Um, she certainly got a very nice therapist tattoo. She might even have multiple nice therapist tattoos at this point, but it's just one of those, uh, that's, that's when you realize you're getting to grandpa age, when something that is just universally accepted by everybody else and nobody even remarks on it anymore is, uh, I don't want to see what comes after this. <laughs> I really I really don't want to see what comes after this. So uh, uh, fortunately at age 66, uh, I, can't, I can't be too far from the finish line. <laughs> uh, you always say that, I always think of my grandma. <laughs> well, it is one of those things where it's, uh, uh, I, 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 I don't know, this goes back to the discussion about God, nobody knows what God thinks of them, and as an omniscient being, um, God has perfect knowledge of everybody, and it's like, uh, you, you know, I would be really happy to check out at any time uh, because I'm just I'm just too old for all of this. The, the, the entire world stopped making sense to me 20, 25 years ago. And, uh, you know, it, it would be just my luck to find out on Judgment Day that, that God went, well, if you hadn't started doing the Monday reports because uh, um, that, that links to um, John's Gospel, um, stuff that you don't know about yet, but uh, we'll get triggered. We'll trigger whoever is going to actually come up with, uh, you know, um, very beneficial um, commentaries on John's gospel. So if you hadn't made yourself indispensable, I wouldn't have to make you live to 108. But uh, there, there you go. It's uh, it's one of those. If there, uh, I don't think we do get multiple lives, but if there is reincarnation, uh, I always picture God going, I've sent you back dozens of times already. One of these times, can you just, like, get married, have a couple of kids, put them through school, move into the old folks' home, and die? It's the only thing that you haven't accomplished so far. I mean... If you get to come back and you get to make different choices, does that mean you still finish on March 2004? Or do you, you know, sell the DC and just ride off into the sunset? Right. Right. Well, I'm not... Uh, I tend to think of it as... Uh, One and you, done. You, 
you you follow the track that you follow and you end up where you end up uh, if if you start getting into alternative realities uh, that that's 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 not helping your your decision making that's uh, that's opting for science fiction over what you already know already know this is how this is how reality works right well, that's, I mean, that's, you know, it, it, it's the, I'm at work and my brain's starting, you know, starting to daydream and it's okay, if you can go back in time, how far back do you go and what do you do? And it's, well, if you go, you know, you go back 10 years, well, okay, 20, okay, well, okay, why not 40, why not, you know, it's, at a certain point, it's okay, why don't you go back and stop the first uh, amphibian from crawling up onto the, onto the, the earth and throw them back in the sea for another couple of weeks and okay now you're ready to come up on land you know at a certain point it's like you know you can keep if you could go back yeah you could go back but you know why would you stop there and not go further back and fix something from before that that you know that, that's the part where i'm like that's why i don't think time travel is ever going to happen yeah and the more the more you think about it like i say i think the more the more you're distracting yourself from uh from the actual task at hand, it's uh, it's God's commedia of uh, this uh, this unspools the way that it unspools, and uh, uh, there's there's learning that goes on. But I don't think I don't think God learns anything out of creation. It's uh, it's the creation that has limited learning. But it's it's always there and available if uh, if that's what you want to do. But um, most people opt not to. But that's that's one of those. Well, okay, uh, you know, you were you were a rebel spirit, and uh, you 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 didn't want to um, submit to my will. You wanted to run away, so you ran away. And you made all of these decisions, and it ended up exactly the way that I said it was going to end up for you. Um, so you have you have no complaint on Judgment Day now, because you did have all of these choices to make. You made you made the, uh, enough wrong choices that you ended up where you ended up, which was the discussion that I had back you back with you. Um, when you were you were one of the uh, the five giant suns that formed uh, after the Big Bang, we had this discussion. I said, "This is what's going to happen." You said, "No way, I won't do that." And here we are on Judgment Day, and I was right; you were wrong. Right. Okay, um, we've got. A couple of minutes, actually, even before we're up to two hours, we're we're, we're really cutting these down. So, uh, well, any, that's anything else? that's when I posted last month. I didn't post. Hey, Dave is going to be calling. Get your questions in just to see what would happen. And it was, you know, last month was the regular people that are going to send a question in no matter what. And then this month, I'm like, okay, you know, it's about a week beforehand, so I posted. Okay, Dave's going to be calling, but understand last month it was under two hours and we you know i didn't say anything this month if i say something we get a bunch of questions and it's three hours again you know i i i don't have a problem doing three hours but it just 
on Saturday when I'm getting or Friday night and Saturday getting everything ready, that's longer than I have to play around to get everything up and going. You know, so I, and that's why Steve said something about he didn't want to go over the time limit. It's like, well, you know, I mean, the limit is is a it's not a real limit. It's just a construct of well, if we go over, we go over. If we're under, hey, we're golden. Yes, yes. It's, uh, it, it feels like summer vacation. Anytime that we do please hold for Dave Sim, and it's less than three hours. And that's, you know, and I'm thinking everybody's figured out that it's a, well, you know, I got a question, and you know, if, if, if it's urgent, hey, yeah, send it in. You know, if it's, if it's something that you've been wondering about for a long time and you don't think anyone's asked, well, yeah, go ahead and send it in, but... You know, I haven't had a weed out a question in a while, which is getting really nice, because I remember when we used to get the, hey, didn't we already do this one? <laughs> right, right. Okay, um, I appreciate all of your time and effort. We we all appreciate your time and effort, Manly, Matt Dow, and uh, I'll be watching for, uh, for your quotes from uh, the 1989 Batman movie. We actually, we, I... I I got the facts yesterday, and I turned on the movie and, and started watching it. And, I'm, and then I went on the internet. And I'm like, oh, half these, half the quotes I was thinking of that you know popped up in my head are on the list of quotes from this movie. But we, but we watch it. Paul's like, why are you watching this? I'm like, I'd explain it, but it wouldn't make any sense to you. Just enjoy Jack Nicholson for while you can. There you go. There you go. Okay, you have a good night, Manny Matt. You too, Dave. Talk to you next month. Talk to you next month. Bye-bye.